Can you all see that? What does it say? All right. We're off to a good start. Hey, good morning. Let me get everything set up here. Should have had that done. Sorry about that. All right. Yeah, I am Richard. And it's great to be here. It's great to worship with you this morning. I'm excited about what God is doing here at Caring Community Church. God is at work. God is at work. There's a new song that's out. Maybe you've heard it. It's called The Waymaker. It talks about even when I don't feel it, God is still working. Even when I don't see it, God is still working. He never stops working. So God is at work. God has been at work uh, at Caring Community over the past years. God is at work now. And God is going to continue to be at work. And here's why I know that. Jesus said, I will build my church. And not even the gates of hell can stand in its way. So we are this massive, mighty, redemptive force of the kingdom of God. And we are on the move. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I'm flying a little solo today. Uh, My wife, Crystal, oftentimes travels with me, but she is not with me uh, on this particular time away from home. Uh, So I'm kind of here by myself. So I'm a little not lost. I'm not lost, Steve, but I'm just kind of like missing somebody, you know? I have figured out how to navigate life somewhat on my own, but I still need her. And she reminds me of that a lot. You need me. I'm like, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Uh, So I am here representing the Great Lakes region. I bring you greetings from Pastor Chris Conrad, who would be our district superintendent. Caring Community is one church of a network of churches uh, that we call the Great Lakes region in three states, Michigan, Illinois, and Wisconsin. And one of the things I do within the region is I come alongside of churches and pastors for the sake of church revitalization, helping us figure out where are we, where does God want us to be, and how do we get from where we are to where God wants us to be. That's kind of the, the short version of it. Uh, and so what does God need to do in us along the way uh, to get us there? So I'm here today because I've been connecting up with Pastor Steve. Him and I connected up, I believe, initially back in Jackson. Uh, when you came to the kind of the primer I did on revitalization, and then we started tracking together. We've met in Fort Wayne, we've met in Marshall, we've talked on the phone, uh, and I'm so blessed to be able to come alongside of Pastor Steve and Diana and just hopefully put some wind uh, in their sails and some strength in their wings by the hope of the help of the Spirit and to help the church just figure out how does God want us to get uh, to that next place, whatever that is, what that looks like. And so you've been praying. You've been praying, and I've been impressed, actually, as I'm going around the building, seeing signs along the way that says Monday's prayer focus, Tuesday's prayer focus, Wednesday, every day has a prayer focus. There's opportunities back there to sign up for the 24-hour focused prayer commitment weekend that's coming up this coming Friday and Saturday. I hope you'll do that. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But I'm the guy, so when you, when, when, the, when you see the sign that says revision team Richard Meeks, that's me. See, it's good sometimes to put a face to a name it's like, who's that? Uh, and why is he on our team? I've never even seen him in our church before. Well, now you can't say that you've never seen me in your church before, right? So here we are. Let's jump into the scriptures. Colossians chapter 1. If you have your Bible, I still use the hard copy. Uh, some people prefer to use the digital copy. Uh, I have both, but when I preach, I like to use the hard copy. So Colossians chapter 1 is where we're going to be. I'm going to be reading from that in a moment. Some words that Paul gave to the church there in Colossians. But before, as you're turning to that place or finding it on your version Bible, on your smartphone or whatever it might be, 
Let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you that you are here with us today. Thank you that you're going to speak to us. Thank you, Lord, that you are going to be the voice that we hear the loudest, not mine, I pray. God, they didn't come. The people haven't come to hear what I have to say. They come to hear what you have to say. They want to know what the Bible has to say about their life and this church and your kingdom. And so I pray, God, that you will help us to hear what the Spirit is saying to us today. Give us ears that are open and and receptive to that. And Lord, it very well could be that some of the things we hear is going to challenge us a little bit. That's good. Uh, So, Lord, we receive that. And we open ourselves up to that. And so help our minds to wrestle with whatever we need to wrestle with, to come to grips with the truth as it is in your word. And Lord, then help our hearts to just respond in faith and say, yes, Lord, I want all that you have for me. I'm all in with the kingdom of God. So Lord, anoint me to be your messenger. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, the thoughts of my mind be pleasing to you, O God, my Savior. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as as I've already told you, uh, I oftentimes travel uh, by myself to various places, and I've been doing that for a while. I've been spending quite a bit of time on the road for the past probably 20 years with various things God has given me to do, which I'm very, very blessed to be able to do what I what I get to do. Uh, I, I tell God that a lot of how blessed I am to do that. But but when we started that uh, kind of journey of our of our marriage some years back, my wife Crystal came up with this little thing that she would say to me every time I would leave on on a trip. And in fact, she told this to me yesterday. So it's been going on for quite a few years that as I prepare to leave, she looks me in the eye and this is what she says. Remember to whom you belong. Remember to whom you belong. Now, we, you know, we, we, we didn't start that because there's some sense of doubt about our relationship. It's not that she doesn't trust me. It's not that there's some questionable character trait that I have that she has to somehow remind me that as I'm out and about, as I'm meeting with people going here, going there, that I somehow need to have this this kind of powerful reminder, hey, remember to whom you belong. It's not about that. It is, however, about this sense that we have a relationship that we value really, really highly. And, and, and as I enjoy that, as I experience that, as I live out that relationship, as I am out and about dealing with various situations and meeting with people and here, there, and uh, all of that, it is important that as I'm doing that, that I recognize and remember that, yes, I belong to Crystal. She's my wife. I belong to her. I mean, you know... And that's one of the beauties of marriage is that there's a sense of two becoming one, right? And and I do give up myself to her and she gives herself up to me and the two of us become one. And in this oneness that we have in Christ, now we can say to one another, hey, remember to whom you belong. So she tells me that and guess what? I look back and say, and remember to whom you belong. So that's true in this in this marital sense. But in the spiritual sense, it's also true in that as you're out and about dealing with life... In various situations, various conversations, when all is said and done, don't ever forget you're representing Jesus Christ. You, you know, so remember, remember to whom you belong, and you belong to Jesus. So I think God has brought me here this morning uh, to Caring Community Church to simply tell you, Caring Community Church, remember to whom you belong. 
See, that's what revision is all about. That's what this whole revitalization journey is all about, is somehow helping us look back to a certain degree, kind of look around at where we are now, look ahead at where God is taking us. But in the midst of all of that, don't ever forget that we belong to Jesus Christ. This is His church. It's His church. We are citizens of His kingdom. We cannot forget that. And so, especially in this day, 21st century, and maybe even especially since we're in the midst of this election cycle, it would be really good for us as a church to have this gentle reminder that says, whoa, 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 whoa. Remember to whom you belong. Right? Remember to whom you belong. I have to remind myself pretty regularly that the kingdom of God does not fly the American flag. It's not about the donkey, it's not about the elephant, it's about the lamb, right? So that's enough of that. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. Remember to whom you belong. So if you take that little phrase, I think that would be, if we could use it this way, the caption that Paul would put on Colossians chapter 1. As Paul is now writing this letter to this church, he is concerned about them. He's, he, he knows there are some things going on. A little bit of history real quick. If you look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 7, verse 8, Paul talks there about a guy named Epaphras. Epaphras was a guy, a gentleman who came to know Christ under Paul's ministry when Paul was at Ephesus. So don't say those two things real quickly back to Epaphras and Epaphras and, you know, you got the guy, you got the city. But in Ephesus, Paul was ministering for three years. During that ministry, Epaphras came to know Christ. He then went to Colossae to carry the gospel there. And through the ministry of, of Epaphras there in Colossae, a church was birthed and people came to know Christ and the gospel was being spread. And now you've got this young church who has somehow found themselves with a certain degree of identity crisis. Because the gospel that was presented to them, while they understand that and they know that, there have been some false teachers who have come in, and the false teachers are now kind of causing them uh, to question some things, and even even talking about a Jesus who is not the Jesus of the gospel, they were actually teaching that Jesus was nothing more than some kind of glorified angelic being. It was kind of this mixture of astrology and magic and Judaism, and they'd taken all this stuff and mixed it together and come up with this Jesus that for them was nothing more than this glorified angelic being. And so Paul hears about that, I think, through Epaphras, because Epaphras is now with him, and he's talking to Paul about this young church and, and this, this drift from the gospel. And so Paul, I think, writes this letter then to them. Right out of the gate, Paul, I think, tells them in, in Colossians chapter 1, he says, hey, 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 people of Colossae, the saints of God who are part of this church, remember to whom you belong. You belong to Jesus Christ. And let me tell you who Jesus is. So Paul launches into this great scriptural writing about who is Jesus and how powerful He is and how He is God. And all of this stuff, you can read it going through there, trying to help them come to grips with their identity crisis, that they've somehow lost this sense of who they are in Christ and who Christ is, and they've now kind of gone this other way. And they're on the verge of drifting. And so Paul is calling them back, saying, I'm calling you back 
remember, remember, ladies and gentlemen, to whom you belong. So carrying community church, that would be what we want to talk about this morning is remember to whom you belong. Paul says, let me kind of refresh your mind about the gospel of who Jesus is. Why is that so important? Why is it so important that Paul jumps into this thing and says, let me refresh you about the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it works in your life, how he works in your life? Why is that so important? Let me just say something and then we'll kind of, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but here's something you need to really get it and and, and it'll come to bear as we go through this revision process, but here's kind of a, a, a nugget to hang on to. The gospel you believe will determine the disciples you make. So if we as a church struggle with this identity crisis for God, forgetting kind of who we are and who Jesus is in our lives, and we get sucked into all these other philosophies and and doctrines and political ideologies, if we somehow lose sight that we belong to Jesus Christ, we're the church of Jesus Christ, if we don't remember that, if we don't remember that we are citizens of God's kingdom, God's kingdom at the end of the day, rules and reigns in our lives, we will somehow drift away and have this identity crisis that says now we've become self-centered and self-serving and self-reliant and all these other things. And God says, let me call you back. So that's, that's kind of the message of Colossians. So let's read the prayer that Paul has in Colossians chapter 1. And then we're just going to kind of unpack this prayer. And then we're going to have a prayer of our own. That's kind of what we're going to do. We're going to look at Paul's prayer in Colossians chapter 1. And then before we go out of here this morning, we are going to bring ourselves together, and we are together going to pray this same prayer for ourselves. All right? So here we go. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. This is what it says. Hopefully you can follow along with what you've got. (coughs) Excuse me. So Paul says, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will. Hang on to that. Complete knowledge of His will. And to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then, the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. So we have a complete knowledge of God's will. Then, the way we live always honors and pleases the Lord. Your lives will produce a very, every kind of good fruit. All the while you will know, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Verse 11. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all His glorious power. Strengthened with His glorious power. So that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to His people who live in the light. Check this out, verse 13. For He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Then Paul launches into, as I said earlier, this kind of expose about Christ is supreme. He is overall, if you go to verse 18, it says, Christ is also the head of the church, 
which is His body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So He is first in everything. The NIV, I believe, says something to the effect of He is the firstborn of the living so that in everything He might have supremacy. So hang on to that. So in everything, God might have supremacy. So so here's kind of the journey that, that Paul says we are on. He says, you need to understand, let me just kind of lay some foundation, make some observations, and I'm going to draw you a little picture that hopefully you have a piece of paper or something that you can copy, because the idea here is that you can take this, and you can take what I'm going to share with you this morning on this piece of paper here, and you can, if you're in a restaurant sitting with somebody over coffee, and you have a napkin, you can draw this out and help them understand our spiritual journey and how we get from where we are to where God wants us to be. But just some foundational principles real quickly. Paul says you need to understand that when all is said and done, there are two kingdoms. Two. Only two. Don't get confused. Again, remember to whom you belong. There are only two kingdoms. Paul highlights them in Colossians chapter 1. Paul says you were once in the kingdom of darkness. Okay, now there are other words we, that the, the scripture talks about uh, of being in this kingdom of darkness. It's also referred to, you know, the, 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 the characteristics of this, this kingdom is not just darkness, it is death, and it is all that, you know, stuff. And the ruler of this kingdom of darkness would be Satan, the devil, the evil one. Again, Scripture talks about that. So we have this kingdom of darkness. It says, you were once in this kingdom of darkness, this kingdom of death, this kingdom of chaos, this kingdom separated from God, this kingdom in which is enmity against God, this kingdom which is ruled by Satan himself. There's this kingdom, but he says you have now been transferred or brought into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of life, the kingdom of peace and love and joy and hope and purpose and all things beautiful. So you were once in this kingdom of darkness and now you're in this kingdom of light. So here's the deal. There's only two kingdoms, right? So you're either in this kingdom or you're in this kingdom. We like to live in the land in between. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. So Paul says it's through the death of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross. That is how you get from one to the other. So don't diminish the power of the gospel. Even Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I preach the cross, Jesus crucified. Why? Because it is the power of salvation to everyone who believes. So you have these, these kingdoms. We are citizens of God's kingdom. And God's kingdom is a kingdom of the heart. Don't forget that either. That's another kind of foundational principle. God's kingdom is a kingdom of the heart. As disciples of Jesus Christ... We are living in God's kingdom, and God's kingdom is a kingdom of the heart. So at the end of the day, God wants to know, if you're in his kingdom, where's your heart? Because that's why, you know, even the Old Testament, as they were trying to pick a king, God told to Samuel, you look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. God's like, I'm checking out the heart. Where's your heart? If you're in my kingdom, your heart, your all, your ambitions, your affections, your everything, your attitude, everything is, is in my kingdom. But we like to somehow live in the land in between. So Paul in Colossians chapter 1 says, here's the thing. 
I am praying that you will have this complete knowledge of God's will so that the way you live will honor and glorify Him and that you will have all of His glorious power at work in your life. So how's the journey? What's the journey that we are on that gets us from here to here? And why do we struggle so much with the land in between? So if you have a piece of paper, here's what I want you to do. Just draw three lines, two lines like that. Something like this across the top. Here's the questions that we have to answer. So God's kingdom is the kingdom of the heart. And so if I'm going to be living in God's kingdom, Paul says, I'm praying that you will have a full, complete knowledge of his will. So at the end of the day, we have to talk about will. Our will. God's will. Or a question that you could put here is, so what will be done and who gets to decide? What, what gets done and who decides? So we, we got to, we've got to deal with this issue of the will, the, the what question, the why question. Whose kingdom are we in and who's the king of the kingdom? Well, we say we're in God's kingdom. Awesome. So we have to deal with our will. We then have to deal with kind of the way. Paul says, I'm, pr- I'm praying that you will have a complete knowledge of God's will so that the way you live will honor and please him in, in all ways. So we have to deal with the how, the, the, you know, the where, the, when, the, the way in which the will gets accomplished, right? Does that make sense so far? So we have the will that's being accomplished. We have the way in which the will is being done. But then we've got to deal with, and I know this is small, and I apologize for that, by whose power... And for whose glory is it done? So, whose will gets accomplished? How is it going to get accomplished? Who decides the way in which it gets done? And by whose power and for whose glory is it going to get done? Does that make sense so far? That's kind of the the crux of what Paul is getting at. It's the crux of every one of our situations and everything that we talk about. So the journey is to somehow move to this place where we are totally all in with God's kingdom. He is the reign. He reigns and rules as king of all in our lives, of our heart. Uh, He gets to decide what we do, how we do it, and he gets all the glory for that. That's where we're moving to individually and as a church to revision, but how do we get there? So here's how it starts out for every person in this room. Every one of us in this room were born into this mentality of life. So when all is said and done, whose will gets done? Well, if you don't have, if you have a two-year-old, the answer is really, really obvious, right? It is my will, right? The Lord's Prayer for two-year-olds goes something like this. My kingdom come, my will be done, no matter what. So we have three two-year-olds, we have three children, all adults, with their own families. 2017, each one of our three children had a child, so we have three two-year-olds. I call them the triplets. Even though they're not, they kind of are. So I hang around them as much as I can, and what I'm learning from the triplets is, it is all about my will no matter what. Now, how is my will going to be done? My way. So if you have what I want, I don't have to ask you for it. I just have to take it. And then, 
Once I take it, what I say is, mine. You know, ownership is what? Nine-tenths of the law, right? Possession is nine-tenths of the law. So it's my will, my way, by whose power and for whose glory? Mine. It's all about me, right? Like me. I was born into this world of me. Everything revolves around me. It is my will, my way, by my power, for my glory. I am the king of my kingdom. And if you don't believe me, just ask me. Well, then somebody in God's graciousness comes along and says, you know what? There's actually a better way. This idea of being self-centered and self-serving whereby you think you are now self-reliant, actually ends in self-destruction. I've seen it. So when it's my will, my way, by my power and for my glory, somebody comes along and shares with me the gospel and says, actually, there's a better way. You need to somehow give your heart, and we even we, you need to give your heart to, we, that's kind of some of the language, you give your heart to Christ. Let Jesus come into your Heart. We teach that as children. You know, to, to our little kids. Hey, we're, Jesus wants to come into your heart. So there's, there's this idea that, that you are now going to give your life to Jesus and you're going to allow Him to come into your life and He's going to transform your life. And, and somebody says, discipleship means that you've been living my will, my way, by my power and for my glory. You've got to somehow now go on this journey with Jesus and you will learn that it's not about your will. You've got to understand that God wants you to do His will, right? So now that I'm saved, now I'm a Christian, now I'm a disciple of Christ, now I'm saying, hey, yes, His, or another word we could use, let's just put God's. God's will. So now my life is all about, I'm going to do God's will. Hallelujah, my life has changed. My, all of my life is about doing God's will. But Paul in Romans chapter 7, 6 and 7 says there's this issue. I'm calling it the land in between. There's this issue that says, okay God, I'm yours. Jesus, come into my heart. I will do your will. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. And God says, hallelujah. And then we enter into this negotiating thing where I will do God's will as long as I get to do God's will my way. Come on, we're there. Some of us are there even right now today. You're hearing me talk with you. Yeah, that's me right there. I'm all about God's will as long as He lets me do it my way. Right? On my time frame in the location of my choosing, with the strategy of my choosing, because we all know that if God really knows what He's doing, He's going to let me be in charge. Right? If there's a God in heaven, He'll listen to me. Come on, right? We know, we're there, some of us are there. And so we say, okay, well, I'm going to do God's will as long as He lets me do it my way. And then somebody comes along like me or Pastor Steve or Diane, and they say, wait, 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 wait. Okay, you got it kind of right. It is about doing God's will. But you've got to figure out this whole my way thing. You you can't just do God's will my way. You've you've got to do things differently. Okay. Well, then guess what? 
then I will do God's, I will do life God's way. As long as He lets me have what I want. So I will do, I will live life God's way, but it's going to be according to my will. So now we have this kind of, this thing going on, this negotiating with God where, where we're now partners in this thing called life. You know, God is my partner. God is my co-pilot. God never signed up to be your co-pilot. You know, God is my backseat driver. And he's totally afraid we're going to crash. He's like, go to driving school. We're going to crash. But that it does not, this, this is us. This is like, okay, God, I'll do your will. Paul says, I am praying that you will have this complete knowledge of God's will. And I am praying that the way you live will then bring honor and pleasing to be honor and pleasing to him. But we have this thing going with God. He's my partner. He's my co-pilot. He's my backseat driver. He's my silent partner. He, you know, he's the, he's the co-owner of my life's corporation. You know, we're in this thing together. So God, I'll do your will as long as you do it my way. God's like, we're not going to do it your way. Okay, then I'll do it your way. But now I get to decide what we do. You can't have it both ways, God. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, and by the way, when everything goes great, so by whose power and for whose glory are we playing this game? Well, it's shared. It's shared. So if we do, if I do God's will and He does it my way, it's gonna go great, and I'm gonna tell you how great I am, because look what I did. This is awesome, man. You are so blessed. God's hand must be on you. Yeah, I know. I know. I I don't know. I just... What can I say? But if it all goes south, now who gets the glory for that? I was only doing what God said. That's all I can say. It's not my fault. It didn't turn out. It was my partner. Right? I mean, come on, we got this. This is us. This is that land in between where we're like, okay, I want to, I, I want to be in God's kingdom. I want to be a citizen of God's kingdom. I, I want to live my life according to His plan and purpose for me. I will do God's will as best I can as long as He lets me weigh in on what that is. And then somebody comes along and says, wait, 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 wait. You've kind of got this really, really, really messed up. Paul was right in Romans when he said, there is this thing going on within us that says, I want to do God's will, but uh, something just kind of keeps me doing what I don't want to do. How do I overcome that? Well, there's this thing called surrender where Paul prays in Colossians 1, I pray that you will have a complete knowledge of God's will and that the way you live will be honoring and pleasing to Him, and that you will be filled with God's glorious power. So as you come to this point of surrender in your life, what happens is you lay it all down before God, and you say, God, here's where I'm at. With everything in me, as best as you can by your Holy Spirit helping me, I am fully committed to God's will. I will pray like Jesus 
Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Oh yeah, and by the way, whose way, who gets to decide how we do this? As best as I can, empowered by your spirit. God, I will do your will your way. Now that gets really, really touchy. I'm in a situation right now, some in the room might know about it. I know that Pastor Steve and Diana do. I'm in a situation right now where everything in me is pulling me back to, can I not weigh in on this just a little bit, please? Really? I mean, do I not get a say here? I got two situations right now. Like, God, come on. Hello. Hello. I did it your will. I was trying to do your will, and I was even trying to do it your way, and it didn't go so good. I could fix that. Right? Don't we say, oh God, I can fix that. He's like, yeah, right. We know how that's going to go. God's will, by whose power and for whose glory? God's. So how do you get then to this place where Paul is praying for us that says, here's where you need to be. Here's where God can bless you. Your, your, your greatest blessing in all of life is this right here. God's will done God's way by God's power, and for God's glory. How do I somehow get there through this pathway of surrender? But here's this problem. The pathway to your greatest blessing for many of us is potentially our greatest barrier. Because if we go here, Satan, the liar, is going to come along, the one who's the king of this kingdom who doesn't want to see you go there. He's going to be whispering loudly in your ear, don't do it, don't do it, you're going to lose control, it's not going to go well, God's going to make you do something you don't like. And you're going to have to buck up and pray the prayer of Jesus that says, I lay it all down, I surrender to you. The pathway to your greatest blessing is potentially your greatest barrier because everything in you wants to live in the land in between. That's why I said you can put this on a napkin when you're talking to somebody and they're like, I don't know what to do with my life. I just can't figure it out. It's just not working. Well, let me tell you why it's not working. You're stuck in this kind of land in between. You were here. You're trying to get here. But somehow you camped out here and you think it's you and God as a partnership. It's not me and God as a partnership. It's God as Lord. This is Lordship. All right? This is Lordship. So Paul prays this prayer. Now this obviously has personal application. And there are some of us in the room today, when the opportunity is given to you, you do need to rise up. And you need to be courageous. And you need to ask God by His Spirit to help you take the steps that you need to take to say, Dear God, you being my helper... I surrender everything to you. I just lay it all down. You see, here's the deal. And here's why this is important for revision. This not only has personal application, but Paul wrote this letter to a church. And when we go down this revision pathway, it very well could be that Pastor Steve and the leadership team, as we're praying, spending time in prayer and trying to discern, what God, where are you taking us? What do you have for us? What, where's the, what's the future that you are leading us into? How do we as a church do your will, your way, by your power and for your glory? God, this church is yours. 
there will be some people in this room who will say, whoa, 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 back that up. I don't like that. I'm just telling you. I just don't like that. It's not my style. It's not my comfort zone. It's not my preference. I just don't like that. So Paul, in Colossians, I read it to you, verse 18 of chapter 1 says, Christ is also the head of the church. He's the firstborn. So that in everything, NIV says, so that everything, he might have the supremacy. That he might be the Lord of all. Not just of your life personally, but of our lives corporately. So this is not just a call to personal sanctification. This is a call to corporate sanctification. So one of my prayers for Caring Community next this coming weekend, Friday and Saturday, is that when you gather together for your 24-hour of focused prayer commitment, that you will come in individually as well as corporately and say, Dear God, this is your church. We are committed to doing your will your way, by your power, and for your glory. Amen. So in a moment, we're going to pray. Let me just end it with this story. Legend has it that at the surrender of World War II, when the Japanese were surrendering to the United States, that happened on the USS Missouri. That's where that took place, that final surrender. Documents were signed, all of that. MacArthur was there representing the U.S., the Japanese had their couple guys who were really high-powered people representing them. They were going to surrender, you know, surrender. Legend has it that as the Japanese boarded the ship that day, MacArthur was there waiting for them. And understanding American customs, the Japanese knew that the custom is that when you greet someone, you reach out your hand and you, the common greeting is you shake hands, right? So reached out to shake hands. MacArthur didn't even like budge. He just looked at him. Just looked at him. Finally, the legend has it is that MacArthur looked at the Japanese gentleman and he said, because you see, the Japanese officer authority was all dressed up in regalia, you know, and the sword is the signal, you know, the symbol of power. So they've got on the decorative sword. I mean, they are like decked out, demonstrating their power, sword on their side. MacArthur's in his khakis, saying, we won this war wearing khakis, we'll finalize this war in our khakis. So he's just dressed down, they're dressed up. He, nope, not going to do it. Finally, MacArthur looks at the Japanese leader, and he simply says, your sword first. Your sword first. So the Japanese leader, as legend has it, then takes off his sword, the symbol of all of his kingdom and power, and literally lays that down, stands back up, reaches out his hand. MacArthur in his khakis reaches out, takes his hand. And the surrender is done. There are some of us, when it comes time for us to be called by God to say, are you really willing to lay down your sword or not? The symbol of your rival kingdom that says it's my kingdom and God's will somehow win this together. Will you lay down your sword in full surrender to God, to Jesus Christ, and say, I am all yours, you are the king? 
or are you going to continue the battle? So Lord, as the worship team prepares to come up and we're going to continue to worship you, Holy Spirit, just settle again, continue to be here in our midst. And when it comes time for us to pray and really kind of seal this today, I pray, Lord, that we would surrender to you individually. We would also surrender to you collectively. And that we would even take steps literally toward you to do that. And that we would lay down our sword and our rival kingdom would be no more. As we live now, your, do your will, your way, for your glory. Worship team is going to come. We're going to worship the Lord together. And then, as I said, before we go, we're going to come back. After we've worshiped a bit, we're going to take an opportunity to just say a closing prayer and uh, surrender. I probably need to move this. Perfect. So stay with me if you would. When I was talking a little bit ago, I mentioned the fact that we're going to close our time out with this prayer, actually, in Colossians chapter 1. And to do that, uh, I'm going to invite, if you would be willing to join me here at the front and just kind of stand here in a circle, uh, Pastor Steve and Diana. And then if you're on the, the, the revision leadership team or if you're a member of the board, would you please come up and join me here? We're going to just take a moment and pray this prayer of surrender. Yeah, you can spread around here or you can huddle up, whatever, whatever you like. Yeah. Because here's what I know about the revision process. Uh, we'll talk strategy, we'll do that. But it's at the end of the day, it's not about the best strategy we can come up with. We'll do our best, but we need more than just a good strategy. Uh, and it's not just about having some sessions and having some fun. We'll have some fun. We'll laugh. Might cry. Uh, who knows? But it's going to be fun. Uh, we'll have some good times in the larger gatherings and the smaller groups that you're going to do to kind of process stuff. But at the end of the day, it's not even about the process. We need God's Spirit to show up in powerful ways and to teach us. So the only way that's going to happen is if we actually surrender ourselves to the Lord. And so I want to do that for us corporately. But as I was sitting, you know, processing earlier about how to end, I obviously want to do this. But maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? God has spoken to me individually. And I'm kind of in that land in between. I'll be honest, I'm there. I'm trying to have this partnership with God. And I wish he'd listen to me more often and do things my way because then it would be right. And, you know, life would be so much better if he'd just do things my way. And... You know, he could tell me what to do, but can I decide how we do it? And you, you're there. You, you got it. You're there. Uh, and this morning, you would just be willing to say, you know what? I'm going to courageously step out and join these here in the front and say, God, here I am. I know this is about corporate prayer for our church, but I just want to surrender to you personally. So I'm just going to take a moment. No big hype. No big emotional thing. But if you would be willing to do that and say, yeah, I just today want to, in a fresh way, surrender myself to the Lord and say, I want God's will done God's way for his, by his power and for his glory in my life. And you would just want to come out and just stand up here and join us in prayer. I'm going to invite you to do that as we pause for just a moment. Yeah, all right. Praise the Lord. Yeah, come on down if you want. Awesome.
very cool. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah, we can scoot up if we need to to make some more room. This is good. So let's pray together. Like I said, I'm just going to use the scripture. So Lord, as we've come into your presence right now this morning, we are closing out our time of worship with this time of prayer. Thank you that you are the Alpha and Omega. Thank you that you are the beginning and the end. As it says in Hebrews, you are the one who originates our faith, and you are also the one who completes our faith. You are the one who not only is the beginning and the end, but you can see the end from the beginning. And God, you know all the twists and the turns and the ups and the downs along the way in the middle. And so, Lord, as we've gathered around here in a a circle and even as a congregation before your throne today, you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the great, the mighty, and the awesome God. You are our salvation. You are our strength. You are our song. You are the one who gives us life. Even the breath that's in our lungs comes from you. God, we worship you today. And so, Lord, as we have gathered right now in Jesus' name, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work within us, we would want to be so bold as to take this prayer that's recorded in Scripture and use it as our own today. And so, Jesus, help us to do that. And so, Lord, right now I pray that you, God, would give this group of people, individually and collectively, that you would give caring community church complete knowledge of your will, that you would give them spiritual wisdom and understanding. Open our ears, our minds, our eyes, our hearts. Help us, dear God, to to discern what you want us to know. Lord, sometimes we wish we knew more, but you know how much we can handle. So God, give us the spiritual wisdom and understanding that you know we need and that we want. So God, open our eyes, minds, hearts to you today. To you today. God, I pray that the way we live will always honor and please the Lord. I pray, dear God, that our lives will produce every kind of good fruit. I pray, Lord, that all the while we will grow as we learn to know you, God, better and better. Lord, that is the goal of our life, is to just walk with you and to live with you and to know you more and more, deeper and deeper, better and better. Lord, we want your will to be done your way in our lives. And Lord, then I would also pray that you will strengthen us with all your glorious power so that we will have all the endurance and patience we need. God, this is a process that we're on, this journey that we're on. Lord, sometimes it gets hard. Sometimes it becomes challenging. Sometimes we're perplexed. But God, we know that by your glorious power, you can fill us and strengthen us so that Christ might dwell in our hearts through faith. So Lord, right now today, we stand here before you and we would pray, God, your will be done in our lives. Your will be done in this church. Your will be done amongst the board. Your will be done amongst the revision leadership team. Your will be done amongst all of those who are joining us up here individually, saying, in my life, may your will be done. God, your will be done. And Lord, we right now would lay our our swords down, and we would say, and do it your way too. God, in those moments when we would want to pick that back up and say, wait, 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 I've got this kingdom that I'm going to defend, we would lay it back down and say, no, 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 God's way is best. We might not always understand it. We might not always figure it out. We might have more questions than we have answers. But Lord, we today surrender our kingdoms to you, 
all the kingdoms of our lives, we lay the swords down. And we say, dear God, your will, your way, by your power, for your glory. Lead us on, O King Eternal. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen.